One Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. But this morning, you're in for a treat. And, uh, you know, the Bible says this, that God has given to each one grace. And that as we have received that grace, we are to minister it to one another. And this morning, we are going to hear from some incredible leaders in our church that are going to be sharing a word as we are continuing this series, Possessing the Land. How many of you have enjoyed the series so far? How many of you have got something from it so far? If you haven't so far, today is your day, okay? But uh, we are going to continue that series, and we've got three incredible speakers this morning that are each going to speak about an area of the spiritual life, an area of God's plan and God's purpose that He has for us. And uh, so I want to uh, pray in just a moment, but we're going we're gonna to put our hands together in just a second, because first of all, we're going to hear from Christian Alvarado. We, we should have we queued up some, like, wrestling entrance music for you, Christian. I'm sorry. We're going to hear from Christian Alfarado. Then we're going to hear from Sam, uh, Sarah Hammer Time. And uh, then, last but not least, we're going to hear from Joshua Gillimet. And uh, it's going to be awesome. And I'm so glad that we have a church that is not just a person or a couple of people that God uses. I really believe that part of what God wants for our church is that every person plays a part. And you may not consider yourself a preacher, and even those speaking today may not consider themselves a preacher, but we're all called to do the stuff. Amen? And and so even as they preach today, I want to encourage you just to open up your heart uh, to Open up, if you have a Bible, open up your Bible, open up your app, open up your notebook and take notes. But even more than hearing from these incredible people, I pray that our hearts would hear from God this morning. And so I'm going to pray. Christian, you can go ahead and come up if that's okay. And I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to hand it over to Christian. And uh, he's staying hydrated, so we know it's going to be good this morning. Well, Father, we thank you, Lord, for this, these incredible uh, leaders, God, we thank you. Lord, for the, the church that you are building, God, we thank you, Lord, that every single person here plays a vital, vital role. And God, we thank you, Lord, that these um, three this morning, God, even as they have just said yes to stepping out in faith, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would uh, fill them with the Holy Spirit. God, I thank you, Lord, that even on this Pentecost Sunday, Lord, we thank you that you take uh, sheepish uh, fearful people. And God, as we all are, as Peter, the apostle was, but when the Holy Spirit came on him, he stood and preached with boldness. And so God, we thank you, Lord, today that as they preach, Father, we thank you that we are hearing from heaven today. So open our ears, open our hearts. Let us hear from you today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And one more time, let's put our hands together for Christian. Thank you. Thank you. Man, I could imagine, like, being greeted like that, like, every day when I walk in my front door. Like, I could just imagine my, like, baby boy Arlo sitting there, and, like, Anna's, like, that person with the trumpet going, like, do 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 Now I present thy father. <laughs> Comes bearing absolutely nothing except the stench of a work day. 
to alleviate thy queen from the children activities, the splash pads and zoo trips. Uh, but uh, super excited to be up here this morning. Uh, Justin asked me a couple of weeks ago to share. And um, so this morning I'm kind of sharing um, something I feel like the Lord has been stirring uh, my heart uh, towards. Um, I'm speaking about possessing the place of mission. Now, I'm not talking about evangelism and going to the ends of the earth, although I think those things are important. But I feel like sometimes in church, sometimes we only associate the word mission with uh, those kind of things that, of experiences. And I feel like it's not right to reduce the word mission to only experiences, right? And I believe those things are awesome. It lets me know that God is bigger than here in Orlando, Florida. Amen. But I'm talking about the mission of mundane, right? I'm talking about how about the mothers who are home at all day with the kids. You are on mission. Uh, the people who are in the workforce every day, Monday through Friday, you are on mission. And so I don't want to uh, gloss over this and let you know that you're not unseen. You are seen. And so I'm going to be speaking about that uh, this morning. It's kind of like businesses, right? Businesses have mission statements. Um, type of shoes that I like to wear is Vans. How many of you guys like Vans? Come on. I only own like one pair. But, um, but do y'all remember Toms back in the day? Yeah. How many of you guys actually owned a pair of Toms? Come on. Yeah. And if you know, interesting, in 2006 through 2012, Toms like blew up because of their mission statement. Now, Vans and Toms are essentially the same kind of business. They provide shoes to the public, but Toms had a mission statement for every pair of shoe that they sold, they would give back one shoe to those in need. And so, like, everyone bought, like, bought Toms. I'm pretty sure, like, half of the people in my middle school did not wear Toms for people in need. But they blew up, and now they don't do that anymore because they quickly realized that they would go bankrupt. Uh, so I think now they only provide like a third of, uh, to people in need. But you could have the same thing in completely different missions. And I believe that um, calling a mission is similar, but I feel like they're a little slight difference. They're intertwined. Um, like, for example, I'm called to be a husband. Now, my mission... Uh, is to wake up every morning and lay fully, willfully lay down my life sacrificially with undying love to my wife. Now, if I could remember that every morning, <laughs> all the wives said amen, that would be great. Um, so my prayer this morning is to hopefully encourage you guys that to maintain the mission that God has given you, that you are on mission. And then if you don't know what your mission is, I pray that uh, God would uh, reveal that to you and then to stay the course. So if you could turn to Exodus 3, we're going to read through 1 through 10. So, meanwhile, while Moses was shepherding the flock of his fathers in the law of Jethro, the priest of Midian, he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flame of fire within a bush. As Moses looked, he saw that the bush... Uh, was on fire but was not consumed. So Moses thought, I must go over and look at this remarkable sight. Why isn't it burning up? And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called out to him from the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am. He says, don't come closer. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. 
And then he continued, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people. I have come down to rescue from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them from the land of the good and spacious land, and a land flowing with milk and honey, the territory, territory of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, all the ites. Uh, the Israelites cry for help and has come to me, and I have also seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing. Therefore, go, I am sending you. Tell your neighbor, you. Come on. That was... You got to do that again. <laughs> that you may lead the people and the Israelites out of Egypt. Let's pray really quick. Father, I thank you so much for this morning, Lord. I pray, Father, that you would just uh, speak to us. We didn't gather here for a religious event, Lord, but we came to encounter you, the living God. And so I pray, Lord, that you would make me smaller, Lord, and you would proclaim your name bigger. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So to give you a quick backdrop, um, we're in the land, uh, we're in the series of possessing the land. Now, I feel like we got to go a little back to go forward. <laughs> you know, Biggie Smalls had a song like going back, back to Cali, Cali. <laughs> but uh, to give you a backdrop, Moses, he um, essentially was a Hebrew raised in Egypt. He was in a place of power, um, of royalty, he raised under Pharaoh. And um, he essentially had a sense of mission at the wrong timing. He saw Hebrews being oppressed, and he took matters in the other hand and committed murder on an Egyptian. And in, in this context, uh, he fled, goes to the desert, flees, and to pursue and become a shepherd. And so it's in that context that God meets him there. Um, now, you would think that Moses' initial response would be like, yes, of course, I will go. But he probably feels like he has a broken, fragmented past. And, his, and how do I know that? He probably feels like he's not qualified. And how do I know that? It's because his initial response is, who am I? Who am I? Have you guys ever felt that way? That God has called you to something and you are like, man, who am I? As a parent, like, I was so excited to be a parent when I found out we were pregnant. And then, you know, now when you walk through the door and the kids are losing their mind and you, like, blow up. And then your kids are, like, about to cry. And you're like, who am I? Am I a dad? Am I a father? Or, like, maybe God called you to start a business and now things are really moving. But then you start looking at other people and comparing to yourself of other people around you. And you're like, why? There's so many other better choices out there. Why me, God? Who am I? And so... I want to tell you that God has already considered who you are before he even called you. See, if you read a couple of verses down, Moses begs the question. And he says, say I go to the Israelites, God of your fathers, of Abraham, uh, Isaac, and Jacob. And I say to them, he has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say then? And he says, you shall say to them, I am who I am. I am has sent me to you. At first glance, it makes no sense, right? But... Here, Moses is begging the first two important questions that we all go through in life is, who am I and who are you, God? And so Moses is already one foot out the door of the mission. And see, when I first bought my house, right, you had to go through a process called prequalification. Please do not come to me for any real estate advice. I have no idea. Just throwing that out there. Um, but you had to go through a prequalification. And uh, based off your income and other variances, the lender would then approve you to, uh, of your background of what you qualify for, right? See, God is a better lender. Yeah. 
See, he looks past your background check. He pre-approves you. See, the reason why God stuck to I am who I am is because as humans, we try to box God in. We try to put a definitive on him. And he did not want to be that. He said, you know what? I pre-qualify you. Tell your neighbor to the left, I'm pre-qualified. Tell your second choice, you're qualified too. (laughs) See, God is your provider. He is your healer. He is your banner. He is your strength. He is your shield. He is your peace. I am who I am. And because the great I am is with you and has gone before you, you are now pre-qualified. Now, that does not mean that God's sovereignty alleviates your responsibility for his purpose coming to fruition in your life. Say ouch or amen. <laughs> you know, there's, there's, a, there's a phrase that some people say, let go and let God. And, like, I know it means well, like, oh, man, let go, let God. But it's like kind of like alleviating yourself from the situation totally. Like, oh, well, you know. I can't really do anything about it, so I'm just going to let go and let God. Well, no, I believe in holding on until God does. And so let's just get rid of that phrase. Uh, So I'm short for time, but uh, (laughs) now that we got that established, let's move to the mission, right? So Moses uh, in, in Exodus 4, he's really super sensitive about his speech, like really super sensitive. And so God you know, kind of gets fed up with him. He's like, you know what? I'm going to send your brother Aaron, right? He's going to send another person to uh, Operation Egypt. He's going to send a squad, right? Y'all need a squad, right? Look to your neighbor to your left and say, can I be in your squad? If you get rejected, ask the other person. We all need a squad. We need community. We need community. That's why I love this church, because we come together. And it's not just we're coming together. We're a family that holds each other accountable and believe the things of God, right? Like, if we were to, like, we're going to do so many great things in this community, but it's not solely rested on Justin. We all have a part to play. He needs a squad. I mean, even Jesus, who was going to bring the kingdom of God down to earth, had to get a squad. And so you need a squad, So we all know the rest of the story of Moses. He had victory, completes his mission. And although he didn't get to go in the promised land, he still did deliver Israel out of Egypt. And so time passes a little bit under 1,500 years, right? And we see a man named Peter met by the same God by a fire. And only this time God is incarnate in the person of Jesus. And Jesus is here sitting at the campfire. I want you to picture this in uh, John uh, 21. 15 through 19, and he's sitting by the campfire, and he's telling Peter he has a mission for him. And Peter, at this time, probably feels the most unqualified person ever. And he denied Christ three times on the day of his crucifixion. And so he's saying here, he goes, when they had breakfast, Jesus asked, Simon Peter, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he asked him a second time. Feed my lambs. And he asked him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He goes, you know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep. And he asked him a third time. Now, Peter was troubled at this time, on the third time. And he goes, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And he goes, feed my sheep. And he continues on. And Jesus goes, after saying these things, he told him, follow me. 
See, God is begging the same question this morning. Will we follow him? You're qualified for the mission that God has put before you. You're qualified to be a business leader. You're qualified to be a mother. You're qualified to be a father. You're qualified to be a barista or um, whatever it is, a realtor. Whatever God has put you in and has placed as a mission on your heart, you're qualified. Now, a couple weeks ago, Brad, I was talking to Scott, and I was asking him, oh, man, dude, what in the military do they teach you to to accomplish a mission. So if you have met Scott, he is like big in military. He watches sports called Ruck. You know, I don't even know what Ruck is, but, (laughs) uh, um, and his son is in the military. And he told me the one thing that they teach you in the military is the highest priority is to know your commander's intent. And he said, if you can know your commander's intent, and you, as a squadron, you'd be able to accomplish whatever it is you need to do. You'd be able to effectively make decisions on your own and, and accomplish the task at hand. And so God is calling us this morning, and he said this to Peter. He goes, do you love me? Do you know the commander's intent this morning as we live on mission? You're qualified, but we need to know the commander's intent. And we have a commander, and his name is Jesus. He's not only a commander. But he's a king seated on a throne. And he loves you. And he has a good plan and purpose for you. And his tent for you and your life is good for you to prosper. And for you to show his glory through this earth. And so I just want to challenge you, lovingly challenge you this morning to have intimacy with Jesus. To know his intent. In order to fulfill the fullness of the mission that was laid before you. Amen. So let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for all that you're doing. Lord, I thank you that you've called, you, you already considered who we are before you called us. Lord, beyond our uh, mistakes and um, background, Lord, you use broken people to bring healing. And so, Father, I thank you, Lord, that we need to know who you are in order to fulfill what you put for us. Would you draw us closer to you, Lord? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Well, the next speaker is Sarah Hammer. She is going to throw it down. Come on. Can anyone give her a round of applause? Thanks, Christian. I feel like you really uh, set me up this morning. We didn't really even know what each other was necessarily going to be talking about, but um, thank you for lending me your ear and your heart for these next few minutes. Um, This is definitely no easy task for me to be up here. I will sing you a song all day long. It is a whole different ball game for me. Um, Just a quick funny story. Justin called me uh, about a week and a half ago, and um, I didn't get to the call right away, so he left me a voicemail, and uh, so I was looking at the visual voicemail, cool people who have Androids, I don't know if iPhone could do that, but uh, (laughs) so I'm looking at it, and I I see the words, want you to speak at church, and I instantly paled, my uh, blood rushed from my head, my throat went into my stomach, and I got that general feeling of, uh, this is news that's going to, like, change my life. (laughs) So, 
I, um, I went about my day and then went later a couple hours when I mustered up the courage to actually listen to the whole voicemail. He said, I want you to speak for 10 to 15 minutes, not just uh, give an encouraging word. <laughs> so that, that's what I thought. That's what I thought he was going to say. No. Um, so then I started, um, oh, he, he, said, he said, call me too. And I, my first thought was, nope. Uh, no, do I do I have to call him back? Like, do I have to? Uh, and so um, at that point, I started laughing out loud hysterically, um, and and then then I'm thinking of all the insecurities that come into my mind, the doubt, feeling ill-equipped, um, and and then I started to realize those those feelings, all those things. That, that's not from God. And then at that moment, I realized, okay, he's calling me. The Holy Spirit is speaking because um, he doesn't call us to the comfy, cozy, comfortable things of life. He's calling us to step out. Um, and so I thought to myself, feeling a little spiritually sluggish, Sarah, are we? How about... Let's speak at church, okay? Um, here comes some opportunity to draw closer to God because he's always inviting us. Um, and I'm going to continue reading um, because I, there's a lot of other great speakers in this room um, who I know can do things a lot better sometimes, but that's also not from the Lord, so... <laughs> And, and I did not want to miss an opportunity. I thought to myself, I'm not going to spend another 40 years in the desert, so to speak, and miss this opportunity that the Lord is calling to me. Because I may not be a big, great speaker, but I can encourage you here today. So I'm going to speak to you today about what has been on my heart for uh, many years, something that I've been working on, it's um, possessing the place of joy because it's not something that I've mastered and I've made so many mistakes along the way. We are learning together. I feel, um, yeah, so how thankful I am that God is not finished with me yet and that there is still room for improvement, even though I feel like an imposter here talking to you about joy. Um, a few weeks ago, the Lord put this verse on my heart, Psalm 16, 5 through 11. Oh, Lord, <clears throat> you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Here David is praising the Lord, and you see the product is joy. Justin spoke last week about how we have to learn to praise 
And this choice is so vital in experiencing joy as well. Sometimes I let my pride get in the way of my joy. Like when I feel mad or I'm sad and I want to sit in that emotion. Anyone else want to sit in their emotions sometime? Uh, my husband gave a beautiful eulogy oh, I didn't think I was crying. of his mother a few weeks ago, and he said he had a choice. He could sit and be sad about the fact that she is gone and focus on the hardships of her life, or he could choose to focus on the great memories and that she is fully healed and restored in heaven. What great joy. I notice that my joy is stolen sometimes when I take my focus off of him and onto myself. In this passage, David blesses the Lord who has given him counsel. So I ask myself, how often do I seek counsel or ask help when I'm struggling to see joy realized in my life? I see my kids struggle all the time with this. They're like, I can't get this button. It's so hard. And they're like dying on a puddle in the floor. Or I can't, I can't tie my shoe. And um, so sometimes asking, and I wait, I wait patiently by for them to ask for help. Um, and sometimes asking is so painful for them. It's painful. Why? Why is it so painful? Because they want to do it themselves. And because they have already exerted themselves so much that they are worn out. This is all good and healthy for kids. But um, can anyone else relate as an adult in their spiritual life? I know God wants us to say, Lord, help me. Help me. I need joy. And if Christ is indwelling in our heart, we only need to tap into it. John 15, 11 says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and your joy may be full. David also says, My heart instructs me in the night seasons. Y'all, some, some days seem really dark, and I know that some of you are in really dark seasons. But what do you do then if you are having trouble choosing joy? Let me tell you what has helped me. I tell someone because that trusted mentor or friend is going to remind you why you were called to such a time as this and walk into that promised land taking hold of that joy. They are going to call and remind you, you are called to this marriage, choose joy. You are called to have children, choose joy. You are called to foster, choose joy. You are called to this job, choose joy. In verse 8 of Psalm 16, it says, Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. How reassuring is this? So often, I don't want to be shaken. I want everything to go as planned because that's what it means to not be moved, right? No. <laughs> it means when there is adversity and it will come, I will not be moved because he is like a shield. He is a shield in those dark seasons. I have to set the Lord always before me 
David has made this choice, and it's a choice for us as well. Yes, the Lord is always with us, but you have to put him before you. It's the lens by which we are to see our situation around us and the people who are in front of us. And how, how do I do this? I'm looking, looking for ways to praise my circumstances and people around me and bring glory to God. I love Anne Von Kamp's book, 1,000 Gifts. It's a good example of how to do this if you guys have never seen that book or read that book. I recently started looking for ways to praise my children more and praise God for how he has made them openly and out loud. It brings so much joy. This is regardless of how I feel about my current circumstances. I have been focusing too much on the circumstance or the behavior of my kids or anyone else for that matter. Sometimes it's easy to look for. However, some things like for me, joy comes easiest when I spend time outside. And thank you, Jarrett, for your word earlier. It was timely um, because I, when I'm in God's creation, I'm filled with that wonder and that joy, um, and and that that's an easy way. So I do that often. You'll find me outside sweating this summer just to soak that in and to be in His presence. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. The verse says. So um, I would say this, don't delay in experiencing joy. Sometimes we say, man, this is not a great day. Maybe it'll be better tomorrow. But then we've missed that opportunity, the opportunity to get in his presence and experience fullness of joy. This means that joy is sacrificial to our flesh. It's a fruit of the spirit, and it needs to be pruned in our lives. The encouraging part is that he will show us the path of life and that place of joy. He's not going to leave us. He's going to show it to us. So um, I'd like to leave you with this um, last question um, that I've been asking myself. Are you setting the Lord always before you? Thank you. Welcome, Josh. What's up, guys? What's up? What's up? Everyone's doing good? Everyone's doing good? So, first of all, I just want to say, I just want to honor Christian and Sarah. You guys did such a good job, and just thank you guys for your words. Um, you know, it's uh, it can be really easy to, um, you get an opportunity that's going to stretch you, and, and I mean, we do it all the time, and, and we, we, we tend to move away from the opportunity, um, but that's, that's where growth happens. And um, that, that's how God operates in us. And I, I love what you said, Sarah. Like when the opportunity came, it's an opportunity to grow closer to the Lord. Um, and that's, that's when we're closer to the Lord, that's, that's how we, we step into all that we are, to who we are. Um, and, and that's what I want to talk about today, possessing the place of identity. Um, it is impossible to live your life on mission if you don't know who you are. It is impossible to choose joy every day if you don't know who you are. So I'm assuming 
which I should never make this assumption, but even the people watching on, on, online, if you're here today, maybe you are a believer. And so, so I guess this is an opportunity for us to grow um, as believers and disciple us. Um, so I felt like as, as I was getting this, this I uh, had a story planned, um, but, and I knew as soon as I planned something, the Lord was going to change it because he does it every time. Um, but the, but the, the whole point of the story was that it, it came from, I felt like the Lord was saying that there are people in this room, believers, um, and you, at one point in your life, you were so on fire, so hungry. You wanted more. You wanted to go deeper. You wanted to grow. But then trauma happened. People hurt you. Something happened. You had to get isolated. COVID happened. Shut everything down. You're working from home. You have no connection. You have no people. Um, and then suddenly, that, that trauma completely transforms you. And you forget who you are. We forget who we are. And, and it's like, we know we're supposed to love people. Oh, but this person hurt me a few too many times, so now I don't want to love people. Um, and, and it's that, that trauma causes us to forget who we are. And um, so I'm going to do my best in this moment to, to give you a very small snippet. It's barely going to be the tip of the iceberg. So maybe I'll do a YouTube channel and go deeper. Who knows? Um, but... Uh, to tell you a little bit about who you are. Um, so let's start in the beginning. So I'm going to go a little bit further back than Christian. He said, go back to go forward, you know, going back to Cali. Um, so then, so we're going to go to Genesis 1. So first page in the Bible. Uh, it says, then God said, let us make man in our image. According to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So I was a little, see, see Christian kind of stole my thing, because uh, he had, kept having us look at our neighbors. So, but guess what? You get to look at your neighbor again. So, so go ahead and look at your neighbor, and I want you to repeat this, and tell them, you were made in the image of God. Okay. It's such a great statement, right? If you grew up in church, like, you've heard this a lot. And, um, but what is the image of God? You ever wondered that? Like, like, we hear it all the time. Well, that's great. I'm made in the image of God. But what is the image of God? So um, one of my favorite teachers, John Bevere, he often, he says, if you really want to understand the meaning of something, then find the first picture of what that is. So we're going to go even further back to the very first verse in the Bible. Because I feel like in this, we see who God is. Um, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, I'm going to stop there for a minute. So last year, I spent a lot of time in the first five books of the Bible. And, like, I could not get past that one verse for a long time. I kept going to that. It's like, 
Like, because we'll just breeze through it. Like, oh, he created the heavens and the earth. Oh, cool. Well, like, he created the heavens and the earth. Like, that, that's a big deal. Um, but then the second verse, it says, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So can we pause really quick? How many of you feel like the world we're living in, it's darkness. It's void. It doesn't have form. Like, our, our, we're, we're in that curse right now. Like, that is the curse. We were made in the image of God. Adam and Eve did their thing, messed it all up. Well, I guess I can't hate on them because, you know, I may, have, I may have ate the fruit sooner. Um, who knows? Uh, but, uh... So, the, the earth was without form and void. In the world we live in, it's without form. It's void. It's darkness. We see darkness every single day. And, like, if you watch the news, which I don't know why you would do that to yourself, but if you watch the news, like, you see darkness all the time. But then what happens? Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. Greatest stories ever told, light versus darkness. God is light. So now, what is the image of God? Light. You were made in the image of God. So what is your image? Light. So now, look to your other neighbor, your second choice neighbor, the one that you ignored the first time, and say, you are are a light carrier. So then we see that God, God kind of constructed everything to let light control everything. So then we're going to go to Genesis just a little bit further. It says, God said, let there be light bearers. Ooh, I love that word. That's where we're going. That's where we're going. In the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be useful for signs and tokens. So I'm reading in the Amplified, so there's a lot of extra words. And for marking seasons, days, and years, and let them be useful as lights in the expanse of the heavens to provide light on the earth. To provide light on the earth. So the earth is darkness. We already established that. And you are light because you were made in the image of God. So now the light bearers, that's you, that's me, that's us, the light bearers, bringing light to the earth. That's how we live on mission. That's how we be about the mission, whatever where mission is. So we are light carriers and we are life bringers. So what does it mean to be light? Well, light actually is the source of all life. So I believe we have a picture of a food chain. Maybe, possibly. I don't know if it was posted. If not, that's cool. No, we don't? Okay, cool. Whatever. All right. So uh, <laughs> I did. So there, there was a picture I was looking at, um, and it's the food chain. So I just don't know if you wanted a science lesson, but you're going to get one. So in every environment where animals live, there are, there's an alpha predator, which eats a smaller predator, which eats a smaller predator, which often eats vegetation. And vegetation gets its life from light. So light is the source of life for vegetation. And vegetation is the source of life for everything in the world. 
So we are light. God is light. That's the source of life for all of the earth. So now I would like you to declare over yourself. You talk to your neighbors, but now I want you to talk to yourself. We are life bringers. I am a life bringer. I want you to declare over yourself. I am a life bringer. That's who we are. So now at this point, I was actually going to bring up Jin and Finn, but I, I'm not going to put you up here. Don't, don't worry. Don't worry. But the, the reason was because I feel like Finn is like the spitting image of Jin. And, and so it's like if you were to go to Whole Foods and, you were to, and Jin was in one aisle, she's like, hey, Finn, you're going to go over to this aisle. You're going to pick up this. And then you help Jin find what she's looking for. And you go over there, you find Finn, and you're like, well, there's no question they're related. Like you see them and you know they're related. The hammer kids are the same way. Like you let, look at them and you know they're related to you. So children have the bearing, they have the image of their father. They look exactly like their parents. So in case you didn't know, you are also a child of God. And now I'm going to breathe, I'm gonna have to go through this really quick. So, so I'm going to go to Galatians, and it says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So the verse that Sarah shared with us, it talks about our inheritance. And our inheritance is joy. Our inheritance is light. Our inheritance is life because we are children of God. So our inheritance is the entire world. And that is who you guys get to be. That is who we are every single day. So we get to go into every situation. We see the darkness. And just like our father who speaks light to the darkness and changes the atmosphere, that's who we get to be every single day. So you don't have to tolerate the darkness in the world. You have the authority. You have dominion. The Lord created you to subdue everything on the earth. Are we doing that? I don't do that every day. So if you do, then by all means, like Pastor Justin says, get up and fly around the room and just go ahead and go for the day. You're great. But I don't. And, and, and there are some times when I get beaten down by my situation. There are some times when I get frustrated with where I'm at. There, I've had a dream in my heart since 2009. That is 13 years. I get frustrated when I think about this dream, and I've been waiting 13 years, and I have done every single thing that I felt was right, and it's still not happening. But I can still speak light to the situation. You can do that. And going back to what we were originally talking about, some of you have had dreams in your heart and things or people or situations caused trauma in your life and you lost that dream. You don't have to do that. You are light. You are life. Speak to the situation and change it. That's who you are. You are made in the image of God. And God spoke light into darkness and made it life. So we get to do that. That is who we are. So how do we possess our identity? Well, this I do have to go through really quickly. I got five minutes. 
Um, so how do we possess our identity? First step, we have to believe. Um, so Romans 10.9 says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, I, I'm, I'm going to take, well, <laughs> I'm going to, what if we just transfer the word saved to sozo, which is what it actually is, which means wholeness, means all whole. So we'll say, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that the word of God is true and everything is whole, then it will happen. That is believing. So you have to believe in order to possess who you are. Now, this is the hardest part. The second step, I feel like this is the hardest, especially for Americans. We're like, by our own bootstraps, pull ourselves up. We don't need anybody. We are an independent people. We do our own thing. But this is the part. We want to rule everything. We want to have control over everything. But in order to possess our identity, we must conform to what Christ says, what Christ does, who God is. So Romans 8, 29 says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. We are the many brethren. And in order for us to be conformed to that image, we, we just have to bring ourselves down just a little bit, just a little bit, and realize, like, we submit ourselves to God, and when we conform, I promise you, you will be transformed. Your situation will be transformed. When you conform to the word of God and who you're supposed to be, I promise you, it will be transformed. It may take 13 years. It may take 25 years. It, it, it could also happen in the night. God can do that. So now finally, we follow. And when we follow, we, do our, we, we complete our mission. So for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Let that sink in for a minute. Joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified. So we are light carriers and life bringers. That's who we are. When we are light carriers, we can carry joy into every situation. We can choose joy into every situation. When we are life bringers, we bring life into every situation we find ourselves in. We live our life on mission. You can bring life and light into your house after a stressful day. You could speak to the chaos and say, let there be peace. And there will be. So the commander's intent is light and life. And that's who we are. So... Pastor Justin's going to go ahead and pray.